0: So yeah, this is another episode of Provocative and we doing shit a little different today. So um, y'all know I don't really do call-ins for my show. So this is an opportunity to really talk to the people that tune in because I want to talk to y'all. Like I feel like y'all get the energy of us having a conversation when y'all listen to me anyway. But this is like kind of bringing that full circle because it's about y'all i create content to engage with y'all anyways it's your freak hostess jody and you're tuned into provocative
1: no one knows what it means but it's provocative
0: i will marry a awesome dick because everything I else we can work on and I've, i have a uh, sporadic periods of excessive masturbation i really like how that just sounded if i fuck you once and it's good i'm gonna keep fucking you because I didn't start sucking dick until college. Blew in that man's butthole. <laughs> that, that shit is wicked. That shit is- On today's episode, I'm going to let my guest introduce herself.
1: Hi, everybody. My name is Bree. I am a nail tech. I'm a fully licensed nail tech. I travel from state to state and I pay clients. I'm also a Makeup Artist of Eight Years, and I'm excited to be here.
0: Period. So, um, yeah, so it's a beautiful day. It's Sunday. Um, We just gonna, you know, have a conversation and see how shit goes. So um, did you Let's have do any it. questions or what do you want to talk about today?
1: I actually did come up with a couple of questions for you just kind of sticking to who you are and what your podcast is about. Um, So my first question was, as a woman, is there a balance between being sexually dominant and sexually submissive? If so, what is that balance and how do you find it?
0: Mm, That's a good question. And I think that the answer to that question is going to vary based on your personality type. So when it comes mm. to me and how I am and how I, uh the philosophy that I have when it comes to sex, I think that the most dominant trait that you can have is being submissive. There's a mm. power in being submissive and knowing when to be submissive because if you know anything about BDSM kind of dynamics because- and here's a you know, kind of, you know, I'm not going to get off into much of a tangent, but it kind of irritates me when people talk about, you know, the dynamic between men and women when it comes to being dominant and being submissive in a relationship dynamic, mm-hmm. when that comes from sex, it literally comes, mm-hmm. there. these are sex terminologies and they're, you know, terminologies that are heavy within the kink community, right? And mm-hmm. anyone who is familiar with BDSM understands that, Domin- Being a dom is about responsibility. Being a, a sub, is that's where the real control is. That's where the real power is because the sub is who determines the boundaries, who determines the, the, the um, parameters around what will take place and what won't take place. And if you know anything about truly living in your feminine energy, too, you know that being submissive, you can get anything you want. So it, <laughs> this whole idea of, you know, Absolutely. dominating the situation and getting what you want out of the situation, uh, it's 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 funny because uh, to a certain extent, it's kind of an oxymoron um, mm-hmm. because you can get more and you can go further. By being submissive and uh being able to relinquish that control and gain control in that exact same moment, like two things can be true right and I think oftentimes mm-hmm. we we look at everything as like a polarity and it's not uh so mm-hmm. uh that said. To you know more specifically answer your question, I think that uh, it's going to vary, and as long as you can figure out what that balance is, uh, it'll things things will work you know work well. Uh, you have to understand that you cannot be all of one thing. So in order for you to truly be submissive, you have to understand that being submissive means to relinquish some control. But then you're also controlling the situation as you are relinquishing that control and vice versa when it comes to, you know, being a uh, being a dominant um, person in that situation. Uh, I feel like oftentimes because of the person that I am, um, I have a very straightforward way of communicating. So it comes off as like, you know, sexually aggressive. And it's Mm -hmm. funny because, uh, when I get in situations with guys or girls and they expect me to be like overly dominant, I'm like, whoa, uh, uh, it's a, it's a power, it's a power thing for me. So I'm whatever I need to be in that situation. So don't expect me to be dominant because I'm actually a Mm -hmm. switch. Like in the, in like the, you know, the, the kink community, I'm someone who can be dominant, or I can be submissive, mm-hmm. so that's that's referred to as a switch. So I just know how to switch it on and off. Like, I'm very flexible and adaptable in that respect. So, yeah, that's a good question. That was a good question.
1: I feel like I'm learning a little bit about myself. A lot of the things that you
0: said, I
1: actually resonate with heavily as far as being able to um, know when to cut it on and when to cut it off.
0: hmm um, hmm
1: as well as what you said in reference to being submissive and those type of dynamics. I was always told you catch more bees with honey than you do with vinegar, Ando. basically saying that when you're more submissive and you know how to operate in that mindset, you do in the end wind up controlling the situation better than someone who goes into it head first dominating the situation. So yes, yes. I definitely agree.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I'm a water sign. So even though Same. I kind of, I feel like it's something about water signs that you just, you, it's this n- almost natural kind of softness to mm-hmm. you sometimes. Um, of course, when I open my mouth, that Sagittarius come out real quick because I'm a cusp. So in my, oh, <laughs> my Mercury, oh my, my Mercury, yeah, no. So I'm a Scorpio Sag cusp, right? So, my sun sign is Scorpio, mm-hmm. but my Mercury is in Sagittarius. So, I'll curse a motherfucker out, and I'm very, you know, direct with my words. However, it's like, you know, I'm like still, it's it's like a balance, right? It's still a balancing act between that water and that fire. Because you going to get some, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to get a little spicy, you know, here and there. But then, here, mm-hmm. you know, we talked to, look, I told you, my, my grandmother is Mexican. I grew up that way, <laughs> like... <laughs> But um, it ain't yeah. nothing
1: worse than getting cussed out by a Mexican grandma.
0: Man, look, when I tell you growing up, my grandma was so crazy because like we lived with my grandmother. We lived with my abuelita f- full time. Like, we went with my mom on the weekends. Right. So mm-hmm. growing up, when I tell you I was being force fed tamales. And all type Ooh, like uh, like it took like years before I could eat another tamale because growing up, my grandma used to be like, "Okay, uh, it's me and my three siblings, and we'll go to like the the tamale lady." And my grandma would be like, "Okay, I need twenty tamales. Like, who the hell finna eat twenty tamales between you and four kids? Like, I'm seven. I don't want four, <laughs> three, four tamales. <laughs> I don't
1: want five of them. I don't want five.
0: <laughs> so you know what's super funny when I was watching Coco. And his abuelita Aww. was yeah, his abuelita was like more tamales, and she was like, no thanks. And he was like, but then she re- reinforced like, she more tamales, and he was like, okay. <laughs>
1: she looked at his hands like, oh, you gonna eat these damn tamales?
0: <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's you know that, um, and I think, um, and I'm I bring that up also to say that all of those things play a role, right? So we become who okay. we are. And there are certain parts that are either illuminated or dimmed based on the different things that have transpired in our lives. Like whether that be, you know, literally the exact moment that you entered into this world in term, you know, in the form of, you know, your natal chart and astrology, your parents, your grandparents, were you raised by your grandparents versus your parents? Uh, What are your, what are your views on those kind of dynamics? Because those all shape Mm -hmm. how you view relationships, right? And even when it comes to sex, that is a relationship. That's some, it's a sexual right. relationship. It's just a specific type of relationship. But all of your other views of how relationships, healthy or not healthy, safe or not safe. Right. All of those still trigger into the sexual realm.
1: Damn, that makes so much sense. Um, I was recently having a similar conversation about how your past pretty much not necessarily dictate your future because at the end of the day ultimately it's your choice to put yourself in a mental space to either continue to walk that path or to alter it based on how you perceived your Mm -hmm. past Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely agree as far as those things playing a role which brings me to the next question that you sparked do you believe that sexual traumas as well as pleasures and things like that, do you think that all comes from your experiences, whether like you said, whether it's been healthy, whether it's been negative, from your parental dynamic to your family, friends, like all of that is shaped based on that. So how you perceive sex, how you desire it, your need for it, or your like disdain for it, all of that comes from how you perceive relationships in general.
0: Yes, yes, definitely, hands down. So, um, for example, um studies show that we develop our uh our views around sex between the ages of about 6 to 11. Like we're kids. Like it's very young. You're right. right? Um, so we're already beginning to you know through our natural curiosity about our body and our anatomy and stuff like that, and then seeing the different uh the way in which the grown ups around us are interacting with each other, we begin to formulate mm-hmm. the foundation of how we will uh basically view sex in our later years, right um Mm -hmm. that's why you know even if you look at it from just the relationship perspective if you if you grow up seeing all of these relationships right as a kid one of the first things you want to do when you're a teenager is start dating Mm
1: -hmm.
0: oh i want a boyfriend and we're gonna be together forever like what Mm -hmm. um (laughs) uh, no no exactly like chill the fuck out Mm -hmm. right um, but the same is the case with sex, right? So are you uh however your family dynamic is within the household, if they provide a safe space or if they provide kind of mm. like a closeted you know, no, we don't talk about this kind of all of those mm-hmm. things very kinda, taboo. yeah, exactly they fact they they um they don't go anywhere just because you grow up and then you begin to have sex like these are the things that kind of formulate how you uh, express yourself in general, right? So, if you come from a household that is like, no, you know, uh, you know, every your anything related to your body is supposed to be, you know, we don't talk about that. Like, um, mm-hmm. now, of course, to some extent, you should keep some things private. But if you have, uh, you come from a household that is like overly religious and is, you know, shameful or, you know, sexist, misogynistic. uh, All these different things kind of have an uh, effect on how we begin to express ourselves sexually later in life. I use myself as an example. When I was about 12, I remember having a conversation with my dad and him specifically telling me that, Um, when I get to high school or as I continue to get older, I'm, I should, I can't be a cheerleader. I can't be a dancer on the pom-pom team and stuff like that because those are the fast girls. Those are the girls that have sex. Mm. Those are the, so that's shaming. That is straight up Mm shame. And of course, as a father, he's thinking that he's protecting me, but what Mm -hmm. you're actually doing is making me feel bad about. Uh expressing myself or figuring out the different ways that my body can move um making me uh judgmental of girls that choose to do this mm-hmm. thing that I wish I could do that's why you end up uh running to a lot yep. of women that shame other women, but in reality, you're really just mad you really wish you could do projection. The, yeah exactly you're just projecting your insecurities or not um not even insecurities all the way like to an extent it's insecurities, but it's also the fact right. that. You don't have the agency to uh, participate in the events that you are shaming me for. You really want to be me. Um, but instead of, you know, saying like, you know what, you know, like accepting that for what it is, it comes off as, mm-hmm. oh, now it's like, you know, that's weird. And one thing about women, and I hate this for us, that's why when it, when when I find a woman that just loves women, because a lot of us don't love each other. We don't love ourselves, so how can we love each other? Right. Right. As long no, as right. there are women in this world, we we talk about how niggas they, you know, like you know, men, they oh, y'all make us insecure. Y'all always doing this, all it Mm-mm. no, we do that shit to ourselves. Your own time. We do it to ourselves every day. The amount of backlash that I receive from females, meanwhile, provocative is for us provocative is for women oh. and i when i tell you that majority of my audience is men it is crazy it's crazy because i don't do this for i don't do this for the men now you know because men tune in right. that you know what i'm saying they do come to me with questions and whatever whatever i'm here for everybody but i really i i did this primarily my primary audience is women But the people that tune Mm -hmm. into me the most is men. And I think part of that disconnect is because women see, you know, hoe in the word provocative. And they like, no, I ain't no Mm -hmm. hoe. Baby, all us is. Everybody's a hoe to somebody. At some point. And one thing about words, you give them power. We give power to words. In the same way that we can give power to something, we can reclaim it. The same thing that we did with the word nigga. Like, we use nigga all the time. You know what I'm saying? So it's all about context. What, you know, what power are you giving to the word, etc. So, you know, yeah. So, girl, when I tell you, like, I... people want to sit back and act like their trauma doesn't, you know, trickle into the things that, you know, when it comes to their, you know, how they view themselves, how they, uh, you know, how they uh, sexually express themselves. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's the last thing I want to drop on this uh, in particular before I uh, hand it over to you. A lot of our kinks are born out of trauma, out of childhood trauma. So one of the largest um, fantasy of a woman is uh, a rape fantasy and um, also uh, being, you know, having sex with two guys at the same time. That is born out of power dynamics when we were kids. So um, there's this book called The Existential Kink. And um, it talks about how, you know, it's like there's a lot of guilt associated with, you know, like people saying like, damn, like when you in the BDSM community, you know, like people, you know, you get choked up or you get, you know, what I'm saying uh, the the on the outside looking in, people look at it as like, you know, borderline violence or whatever. But it's not because you, you would just have to practice, you know, BDSM safely. Right. So when you mm-hmm. see people that like to uh, be tied up. Or want you to gag them because, or wanna participate in breath play, like, oh, I don't wanna be able to breathe or speak. Think about someone who was abused and didn't have a voice, but then growing up later and they like, oh, I want you to choke me, I want you to gag me because I don't wanna be, I, I wanna, you know, I don't wanna be able to speak. You know what I'm saying? It's a psychological thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that uh, we part, you know, again, you never know what thing that happened when you was a child then turned into your damn kink and some people there are studies also that say that uh kinks can be a uh, genetic as well so i don't know oh, if, if your your grandparents was into some freaky shit <laughs> it's a good chance that it ain't oh, it ain't know you it's see you. <laughs> Oh, damn. So it's just. It's, it's my mama fault. No, for real. But I say that to say it's layers to it. It's so many different layers. Uh, So many, you know, so many things to unpack when it comes to, you know, the different things that we experience and how that trickles into our sex lives, our sexual expressions, and, you know, shit, the kinky and freaky shit that we get into.
1: The way my anxiety just shot through the roof because I got sorry <laughs> and I know what I like. Oh man, it's, my kid gonna be freak.
0: No, for real, it's funny. It's so funny because uh, on the um the Mother's Day episode, I I had my mom on the show, and I talk I talked to her about how I found when I found her sex toy when I was a kid and um nah. you know like we you know like we really got into like oh you know what I'm saying like comparing myself to my mom because I'm like shit my mama freaky I know my mama freaky and I'm like shit okay I'm yeah I, I know how I am and I know the shit that I'm into and it's a lot of things that it's like nah. both of us have explored um but also what I think uh what I know to be true is that a lot of things that my mama tried came later in uh later in her later years. She wasn't instantly mm-hmm. jumping into stuff or whatever. And the same thing with me, like a lot of the things that I've explored and I've tried came within the past, like the bulk like the my my real experience came within the last three, four years. Like that's mm-hmm. meanwhile, I've been having sex for nineteen years. Like Bye. I started I started having sex when I was uh 14. So I've been you know what I'm saying? I'm saying 19 years. Uh what the hell? My math a little off. Sixteen years. Sixteen, seventeen years. So for me to have sex from the age of fourteen to like, you know, going into the what twenty eight, twenty nine. Like, I was having sex for, you know, 15 years before I really started to figure out this is what I like and this is what I don't like. And I mm-hmm. think there are a lot of women in the world that can relate to that because, you know, shit, we, we get in these situations and then we just have sex just to be having sex as opposed to being intentional about, okay, if I'm going to have sex with this person, this is what I want to occur or come out of it we just like all right i'ma fuck this person and then i may or may not come but i'm just doing it like it's not really for us we have sex a lot of us have sex for other people that's why it's like the the ones that are sexually liberated early i love Mm -hmm. that for y'all like i love that for the girls that you know in their early 20s they like no look this is this is how i express myself sexually this is what i want to do like i love that for them like for real for real
1: that is so crazy that you made that point because that was literally one of my questions and I'm going to get into it in a second. But I want to piggyback off something that you said as far as how actually you've been hitting on all of my questions, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but look at you on it. That's that water sign. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm Pisces. with are here. I get it. I'm a Pisces
0: rise. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm Look a Pis- at us. yeah. Scorpio sun, Pisces rise, and now I'm a Capricorn moon, which makes shit like yeah. Um. I'm Pisces
1: sun, <laughs> Gemini moon, and Scorpio rise, and that's crazy. And I have a lot of fads in my chart too. Oh
0: yeah, literally yeah. So uh, I'm a. I feel like I'm a. I, I like to say this. I'm a Sagittarius where it counts. So my Venus <laughs> and my Mercury are in Sagittarius. So. I I will fall in love with you today, but I will bounce tomorrow. So don't play with me. I'm
1: screaming. I'm (laughs) screaming. Oh my God. No, I feel that for sure. But you said something about basically how women interact with each other and Mm -hmm. how we do more tearing each other down than building each other up. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And my point to that was you made mention that words, you give the words power. There's a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt that says, nobody can make you feel inferior without your permission. So basically, nobody is able to make you feel like a hoe. Mm -hmm. Nobody is able to make you feel less of a person or inferior to who they are Mm -hmm. without your consent, without you giving them permission to do so. So it's your perception of how you take in those words, how you harbor those words, how you interpret those words to allow you to be inferior to that person. That is crazy that you said that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because
1: I've learned that over time as far. I used to be, I was very emotional. I'm very introvert as a child. So Mm -hmm. you may mention it also as far as like not being able to speak or like having your voice taken away from you. You just taught me something about myself because for me, a sexual king, I like to be choked and I never knew where that came from. Mm -hmm. But as a child, I was always, Kind of shut down verbally. Like I was never able to have an opinion for myself. I couldn't really speak for myself. I couldn't really vocalize my thought process for how I felt emotionally. So I internalized a lot of things. And one of my weaker chakras has always been my throat because I could feel whatever I'm feeling. I could think whatever I'm feeling, but I could never speak it. Mm -hmm. And it would be right there on the tip of my tongue, but I could never speak it. My throat chakra was the hardest, one of the hardest ones for me to really work on it really strengthened mm-hmm. because I was so used to being told I could not speak I couldn't have an opinion it was disrespectful for me to voice how I felt yeah. so even that connection with like you said knowing that that's your sexual trauma or your your traumas go into your sexual things and what it is that you like sexually as we that's crazy I never knew that
0: yes yes and uh, same same I grew up feeling like I couldn't speak so baby when I started talking I didn't shut the fuck up Like once I got older and I'm like, no, this is who I am. And I really figured out, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like my voice and found my voice. I didn't shut the fuck up. Like (laughs) and me finding my real voice again came later in life. I want to say I was probably like 25, 26 when I began to be Mm -hmm. comfortable uh, actually expressing myself in a way that was unapologetic. And, uh, the, what, what, uh, kind of sparked that, um, what the catalyst was for me to be able to do that was I began to dance. I tell people all the time that when I started dancing, it changed my life because it changed how I moved my body. It changed how I viewed myself, how I expressed myself. And then I was like, she, I know, I know who I am now. And it took for mm-hmm. me to do that one thing that I began to love. And I like literally the only return on investment was that I loved it. I only did it because I loved it. So to do something mm-hmm. that you truly and uh, genuinely love and find yourself through that and find your voice. And then it's like, OK, from there, I'm like, now I have my voice. What am I going to do with this voice? Then, Bruno, you know, from there, years later, I started provocative. So, um yeah, baby, like when I tell you, <laughs> I get it. I get it.
1: <laughs> mm, that is crazy. I feel like you connect with people for a specific reason. And mm-hmm. just recently within the last like six or seven months, I've been finding myself connected with a lot of people who are, have either gone through similar things or coming out of similar things or just on a similar path. And I, I'm grateful for it all of the connections that I've made with the people that I've made them with because everybody comes into your life for a reason. Yes. Um, but even even this conversation here, like I said, I'm learning things about myself that I would have never known had I not asked the right questions. And then we don't we don't have a space to where we can openly ask these questions without somebody sad at you or yes. without somebody passing some type of judgment. So number one, thank you to you for providing not just a safer space, for women to do that but having a platform yes. so are you like i don't give a fuck what nobody thinks this yes. is what we need this is what i needed this is what i want to provide to other women who want to ask these questions or want to know these answers but are yes. afraid to ask yes. that's amazing we need that
0: yes because look provocative is a safe space to explore your inner whore because guess what we all got a little whore <laughs> in us like <laughs> and uh i you know Like I said, when I began- Hey, you be a hoe for the
1: right person.
0: No, for real. Like, and that's the thing too. Like people think it's, you know, oh, just be a hoe for a hoe's sake. No, be intentional. Figure out, you know what I'm saying? What's your happy space when it comes to sexual expression and do that with who you will safely and unapologetically and, you know, free of Mm -hmm. judgment because that's what it is. If we could get rid of all of the shaming that occurs from the way in which women sexually express themselves, baby. We would live in a totally different world. We truly would. But um, Which
1: brings yeah. me to my next question. Mm-hmm. How did you become so effortlessly free with embracing your sexuality? And out of everything that we've talked about with the way that we're ashamed, we're looked at a certain type of way, we're judged, or we're like downplayed for saying, Hey, like, let's be real. Women think about sex just as much as me and sometimes if not more. I think we're more sexual beings than they are. Just physically they're designed that way. Their genetic makeup allows them to be physically more attractive to sex, but we internalize the fact that we really be wanting to
0: we, we It's just we don't have that space. Women can technically have sex more than men. Um, but and I the and let me um let me qualify and provide more context as to why I'm saying that. The sexual response cycle mm-hmm. for a woman uh is uh it, it takes uh it's a quicker sexual response cycle. Um and mm-hmm. by that I mean so for example, a man in between multiple nuts, he needs a little time to get back there women not necessarily like I could keep going if you really you know what I'm saying like we could keep hours and
1: hours and hours (laughs)
0: like (laughs) um so uh yeah the like it's a whole nother we could get like that's a whole nother topic within itself but to answer your question uh how did I kind of get here right um I had an ex And, um, we had, we were on and off for six years. It was the best sex of my life at the time. And, um, he used to make me super uncomfortable like extremely uncomfortable and he would say things and I'm like, I don't know why I feel a way about him saying this or asking me this sexual question or telling me to like, Oh, you know, I want you to dance. or I want you to do this. I want you to, you know what I'm saying? And I would feel uncomfortable and I would clam up because I'm like, Oh my, like I feel a way, like, why are you trying to force me to be somebody that I'm not? And then Mm -hmm. once I realized that I kept being uncomfortable with this, I had to take a look at myself. I had to take a look at myself. I had to take a look in the mirror and I had to say, why are you uncomfortable by this? And once I, you know, once I began to answer those questions, I'm like, I'm uncomfortable because of the trauma that I experienced. How do I heal that trauma? I chose to dance to, you know, like, you know, gain confidence and do those things. Right. And from doing that, it became a part of me Um, and not even a part of me, but it illuminated the parts that were already within me that allowed me to, Mm -hmm. just, you know, take off just like really like, no, I'm sitting in this shit now. So how I became who I am really was born from me finding my voice. So before Jody provocative was born, I was, you know, I was JoJo. I was, you know, what I'm saying. However, people referred to me mm-hmm. as because now I just introduce myself as Jody. Like that is literally, you know, like when I hear my real name, I'd be like, "Wait, what?" Like it all, it almost comes as a shock because Jody was born through dance and finding myself, finding you know who I am in a sexual, sensual, confident way. And from there, I began to verbalize and vocalize and really scent in my confidence and my femininity. I used to always feel like, oh, I'm the awkward black girl. Like, very much giving Issa Rae vibes. Like, ooh, I don't feel sexy. Oh. This is awkward. Like, that was me. Like, legit. Mm-hmm. And then as I began to dance and kind of, you know, feel sexy and secure in my body, from there... I I, that's where Jody came from. Like Jody would like Jody is that motherfucker. Like, (laughs) um, and I would say that it was something that I was super intentional about as well. Like, if you if you take a look at yourself and you see the ways in which you feel uncomfortable, you don't feel as confident, you. You don't understand why you feel the way you feel, but you know you feel something. It's time for you to take a look in the mirror and try to figure that shit out. You really have to do the work. Um, you have to figure out the root cause of it. Like I said, for me, it was understanding that my trauma that I experienced as a child had literally, it was with me that whole time. Like When my ex, I was a scared little girl that's what it was. Like I was Mm -hmm. a scared little girl and I was a insecure, not, you know what I'm saying? Insecure.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, not, not having a voice feeling like nobody is listening to me, feeling like people are, you know, never going to stick around anyway. So me not even caring Mm -hmm. to, you know, all of those things were a part of my relationship and therefore they were a part of my sexual expression. So back then, a lot of the things that I was doing sexually were not me taking control. Like, a lot of it was just me. Wow. All right, this motherfucker is, you know, like, oh, okay, I'll occasionally get on top or something like that. But mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't it was me really, oh, I'm taking control of the situation. I'm, t- you know, I'm dictating the pace of what's going on. Like, no. Like, I tell motherfuckers all the time, if you had sex with me in my early 20s, early to mid even going into late twenties, I'm a totally different motherfucker. And the only motherfuckers that know I'm a totally different motherfucker is the motherfuckers that didn't fucked me early twenties, late twenties, and then <laughs> double back after I, you know, after I became Jody. Because once I became Jody, mm-hmm. look, the, the coochie was consistently good throughout the the decades. Fuck is you talking about? But the it, the overall experience. See, the difference oh, between, yeah. Has, yeah, you can have good pussy, but the experience could be s- trash. Like you could have a trash, you you just have trash sex. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying I was trash at sex, but compared to where I am now, yeah. Like you can tell I got my experience. I got my penis PhD, fuck you talking about? Because I know exactly what the fuck I'm doing with it now. And um, for me, again, just understanding that And I think this is really what kind of drives it home. Knowing that it does not matter if you're a good girl or you a hoe. People are going to judge you regardless. It doesn't matter if you fucked one or two niggas or 20, 30, 40, 50 niggas. You gonna be a hold of somebody. You gonna get cheated on by somebody. You gonna get unappreciated by somebody. So what is it that you are comfortable with doing for yourself, and really just living in that shit and being true to yourself, being authentic? So I'll never tell a motherfucker just fuck somebody just to be doing it or no shit like that. You know what I'm saying? What are you comfortable okay. with? If you're don't don't ever do anything you're uncom- that you're not comfortable with. Um, me. The sexual experiences that I have, I have really good sexual experiences every time I engage in sex. And when I choose not to engage in sex, it's a conscious decision. People think that, oh, because I'm the free code that I'm just fucking all the time. No, actually, I practice, you know, abstaining from sex from extended per- for extended periods of time. Now the reason that I do that is because I'm an extremist. So when I do start back having sex, I'm gonna happy cry. The fuck, like I'm gonna, it's gonna be super extreme because I withheld from it for a long time. It's like you know, you you go without drinking for such a long time, then you to you, the first time you back drinking, you take a shot or two and mm-hmm. your ass drunk as the fuck. How about? That same concept, <laughs> exact same concept. <laughs> so. <laughs> I do that with sex sometimes. Like I had a sex partner that uh, literally I would tell him like, "All right, look, I'm finna not have. I'm not finna not. I'm not finna. I'm I'm going to not have sex. I'm going to not masturbate. I ain't gonna do none of that for a month. And then on day thirty one, I need you to come (laughs) see me." Like, it sounds funny to plan shit like that, but it was also... But it's real. Yeah, like, and it's fun. Like, it's super fun. Like, to you know, like, people talk about, like, oh, how often should you have sex a week or whatever the case is. Play around with it. Figure out, like, what's going to give you the best experience if it means going a couple weeks without sex and then when you do have it, it's bomb, it's fire. I'm a quality over quantity girl any day. So, um, yeah, I hope that answered your question. Like, we this was like a super uh... dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a super dope conversation. Like, I truly appreciate um, you tuning Aww. in with provocative. I appreciate your, you know this this conversation. I'm super grateful for this conversation. Um, I think often times, uh, us as women we don't have the opportunity to just kind of appreciate a conversation with somebody. Like I appreciate
1: this,
0: this this energy exchange that we just participated in together because that's really what it was. Like, I think I learned from you in it, you know, like I really feel like I learned something from you in this conversation. And I hope that you, you receive the same from me as well.
1: Oh, of course. That's why I said thank you to you. um, Just for, again, the energy of change, the conversation, a lot of times we don't meet people who are vibrating at our same frequency. So the conversations die quickly. They don't withstand the, more than a few minutes because mentally we're not even on the same wavelength for us to even carry on a conversation. So the fact that I came in contact with somebody who matches my frequency, who vibrates the same way that I do, I can I can connect with you. I can talk to you. I can open up to you and not feel judged or I can feel like I'm home. Anytime I have a conversation with somebody or I'm in someone's presence, that makes me feel like home, that makes me feel like I'm getting what I provide to other people. Mm -hmm. I feel safe.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. And that, like I said, provocative, it means so many different things to me. But again, it's a symbol of, the journey that I've taken to get to where I am. And like I said, I want people to feel safe. Like, I feel like one of the things that kind of makes somebody open up is you talking about yourself and the shit that you've done. So now people like, damn, Mm -hmm. I don't feel, you know, like, I don't feel so judged. I don't feel so bad. It's not Mm -hmm. just me. I don't feel so bad. And that's why I'm so honest and transparent with the content that I create as well. Um, I don't create content for everybody. That's cool. But the people that's gonna fuck with it, y'all my people it's gonna
1: resonate it's gonna resonate <laughs> with who it's supposed to resonate with always yeah always your audience is going to find you yeah. you ain't gotta look for it they're gonna come to you exactly. like you said you made this for women but it just so happens that men are a majority of your listeners because apparently they need something that you got to offer too
0: right and i'm hoping that even the guys the guys that tune in i hope that i'm putting y'all on to something i'm hoping that you know when it comes to men so it's like you know when i speak to women and when I speak to men, I hope to uh, uh, trigger two different reactions. For men, I hope that you take a non-judgmental look at the women in your lives and understand that they are sexual beings like you are. Um, I hope that the men that tune in are able to have more productive conversations with the women in their lives, especially if they're in sexual relationships with these women. Um, I hope that they're able to learn something even about themselves and how they express themselves sexually, because a lot of the things and people want to, you know, always like, Oh, men versus women. A lot of things that we experience Mm -hmm. are people things. They're not women things or men things. Some of them are people things. Um, you know, we both experience orgasms. We both want to, you know, be, you know, um, have high quality sexual experiences. We want to experience pleasure and we want to be, you know, uh, uh, we want to engage in foreplay and all these different things. Like those are things that Mm -hmm. we both can, you know what I'm saying? That's a common ground there. So, um, you know, that's what I hope with men, with women. I hope that they can, you know, begin to express themselves more freely Um, if you run into a motherfucker that ain't fucking with it, guess what? That's not the person for you because you need to be honest and authentic with, you know, who you are and presenting yourself as such. Um, and then lastly, for both men and women, I hope that we can bridge the communication gap because that's what it comes down to. The best way for all of us to have better sexual experiences is to talk about it. We have to talk about it. We have to understand- We have to understand what the, you know, our partners want. And the only way we can do that is through having conversations and not feeling uncomfortable or awkward about it. And if you do feel uncomfortable and awkward about it, examine why you feel uncomfortable and awkward about it so that you can fix the problem.
1: I feel like you're looking at my questions and I don't know how to feel about it because... Everything that we've talked about, without me even asking, it's like we just kind of trickled into going into the questions that I've had uh-huh. surrounding what we've talked about. My last question was, do you think it's that the water people magic look girl. beyond...
0: It's the water magic. It That's has it is. to be.
1: It literally <laughs> has to be. My last question on my list was, if people look beyond the physical attributes and develop a connection, do you think that more people will have better sex? Yes. And that goes into communication. Developing a connection with somebody is more than just looking at them and hmm, having thoughts towards that person. It's talking to them, getting a chance to understand them on a deeper level, look past the surface level. If I can't, I feel like I'm a sexual. If you cannot penetrate me mentally, if you can't sustain me mentally, mm-hmm. there's nothing. I'm not even going to get with for you. Like, I'm not even going to want to engage sexually with you because. I'm not going to enjoy this. And you'll yeah. be like, that bitch can't fuck. That bitch got terrible sex. Yeah. When really, I don't. I'm cold in the bedroom. And I know that. Mm-hmm. I know myself to a certain extent. I know the type of sexual energy that I bring to the bedroom. And I know that is heightened, A, when I really like you, mm-hmm. B, when I have a deeper connection with you, and when I'm mentally attracted to you.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: You're going to get, it. I'm going to world every time
0: yeah for sure for sure and i want to you know just to add on to that really quickly there's no time limit on that there's no there's no uh time mm-hmm. uh amount of time that it takes for you to get to that point because there have been situations where i would have a conversation with a guy and within that hour or two of me having a conversation i'm like i'm gonna fuck him And it's because (laughs) of, you know, the conversation that we're having and I'm like, yo, like he's so comfortable in his masculinity and, you know, he talking about, he talking his shit, I'm talking my shit. And it's a good energy exchange versus somebody where it's like, me and you, we've been knowing each other for years and I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know i'm I'm not ready I'm not ready, like you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying. It's nothing that can determine what what is ready except the energy exchange and once the spark is there, it could take an hour for the spark. It could take a week, it could take a month. but as long as you're being your authentic self and you're being honest then if the spark is meant to happen, then it will if it's not, that just means that it probably just ain't gonna happen with that person and that's cool like people think that just because mm-hmm. you like somebody or you're physically attracted to somebody that you need to have sex with them no no like not even that don't even mean y'all gonna have good sex like did none of that none of that means that uh so yeah
1: wow you have answered everything that i could even think to ask so oh
0: yeah this was such a like I said this was such a great conversation um I'm super grateful to you um I can't wait for this episode to drop because I know the od- you know my audience is gonna really appreciate the conversation that we're having as well um uh thank you to everybody that's listening to this episode if you want to be on a call-in uh podcast episode with me just shoot me a dm on instagram and we can schedule that i think i'm gonna do these a little bit more often just because like i said i want to get to know my audience and you know chop it up with y'all a little more i'm trying to do you know a couple of different things for y'all switch it up spice it up a little bit um and yeah uh brie tell them how they could follow you well
1: Um, I'm actually no ID so I don't have a personal Instagram anymore, but if you are looking to just keep up with me and when I do travel from state to state to take my nail clients, Mm -hmm. you can find me at nails by Brielle. That is N-A-I-L-S-B-Y-B-R-E-L-L-E. Um, and makeup by Brielle as well. Like I said, I'm also a makeup artist of eight years, so I do travel with makeup as well.
0: And that's where you can find me, guys. Yeah, period. Cause I'm, um I need my nails done. I need my nails done real bad, y'all. So uh, I'm I'm trying to wait till you come to uh, come here. i um, will be there
1: this weekend. <laughs> yeah,
0: cause I didn't broke I done broke two nails. I I need my nails done real bad. So yes, uh, yeah. I I will be I will definitely be seeing you when you come to Chicago.
1: <laughs> I'll be there this weekend. Don't worry about it. And I got pedicures on the pull-up too.
0: Period, period. All right. Well, thank you, beautiful, uh, for, you know, this, this exchange. Um, truly appreciate it. And, yeah, on that note, we out. Before you go, I want to remind you to embrace your inner hoe. Thank you for tuning in to Provocative. And don't forget to follow us on all streaming platforms. Happy hoeing. P-R-H-O-E. D O C A T I V E. Spell with the wire hoe because deep down, we all got some hoe in us. And this is your safe space to be unapologetically provocative. Oh, is my ground too masculine? You put the nigga in missionary and yeah. the moment. <laughs> what the fuck? wild. <laughs>